Shabbat Shalom. Why are we praying here tonight? I won't ask you literally to answer that question. Presumably there are many answers, maybe as many answers as there are people here tonight. The traditionalists among us may say, well, we're commanded to pray, which is true. Or maybe we feel moved by something that happened in our week and just want to center ourselves. That's a good answer, too. Maybe we actually don't care about the question or the answer, and we just think, as Jews, this is what we do. We pray. We come every Friday or once a year. <laughs> or maybe we're here to learn or just schmooze with one another. There are plenty of answers to the question of why we pray. But another way of framing the question, given our Parsha this week, is why do we pray at all? when really what we should be doing is preparing to offer an animal sacrifice. <laughs> Parashat Vayikra this week opens us up to Sefer Vayikra, the book of Leviticus, which we know introdu introduces us to the idea of sacrifice. Not prayer, but sacrifice being at the center of Jewish practice. The text is devoted to things that are far removed from our sense of spirituality. Things, you know, of the blood, fat, and entrails variety. Sacrificing animals was the primary way in which our ancestors accessed the divine. Until the early rabbis caught wise after the destruction of the second temple and said, maybe we could just not anymore. <laughs> As the Talmudic Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi says matter-of-factly, prayer was instituted based on the daily offerings, the daily offerings in the Holy Temple, and the prayers parallel the offerings in terms of both time and characteristics. In other words, without a temple, prayer was actually an innovative way to access God. But prayer, for many of us, is complicated. We may wonder what's really going on when we say these words, and we may doubt sometimes if these words have any utility at all. To understand why we pray or what we might get out of prayer, it's useful to turn back to this Parsha, where we get the pretext for Jewish prayer, that is, the ancient temple offerings. And given the many distractions in this text, body parts, skin afflictions, and bodily functions, it's easy actually to forget that this legalistic book, this Sefer Vayikra, begins not with a command, but with a call. We read at the beginning of the text, Vayikra el Moshe, and God called to Moses. When you look at those words in a Torah scroll, as perhaps some of you know already, the Aleph at the end of that word Vayikra is scribed as a teeny tiny letter. Rashi, teaches that this teeny aleph draws our mind to consider the difference between the word with and without it. Vaikra, and he called, is the language of intimacy, like angels calling out to one another. But vaikar, without the aleph, would mean it happened to him, almost as if by chance. That is the language that the rabbis use, actually also to refer to bodily functions of the unexpected kind. But vayikar without the aleph 
would mean it happened to him. Again, almost as if by chance. The wording of vaikar has none of the intimacy that vaikra has embedded within it. Vaikar is the way that God speaks with non-Israelite prophets like Balaam, as it says, and God happened to Balaam. But Vayikra is closer, and God called to Moses. In this episode, <laughs> don't worry about it. I love that. He's, he's calling out to us. In this episode, <laughs> God is beckoning Moses not to be afraid of the monumental task he has been assigned. When it would be so natural for Moses to be overwhelmed by the awesome power of the Eternal One, God engages Moses like a parent or a partner or a friend. And once God draws Moses close, God explains, when a person among you presents a sacrifice of cattle, he shall choose his offering from the herd or from the flock. It's not exactly what you might expect in this moment of tender intimacy. Instead of whispering sweet nothings to Moses, God delves into the nitty-gritty of animal sacrifices, cutting off the legs of cows and pinching off the heads of pigeons. But as I sometimes say, this is the biblical God's love language. <laughs> Keep in mind what has just happened in the Torah narrative. At Sinai, the people hear what they assume to be the disembodied voice of God, and though they continue to receive commandments from this God by way of Moses... They can't actually see God. Once Moses leaves to talk to God for 40 days on Mount Sinai, their physical conduit to this invisible God is temporarily absent, and the people decide to craft an idol, a golden calf, so that they might have a corporeal manifestation of the divine in their midst. It's clear that they need a physical connection, so God commands the people to build the Mishkan, the tabernacle, which will serve as a physical place for God to dwell among the people. But this alone is not enough. So to add to this structure, God commands sacrifices. Adam ki akriv mikem korban, the text begins. A person among you should offer a sacrifice. The word for sacrifice, as perhaps you know already, korban, comes from the root karov, meaning close, suggesting that the purpose of these sacrifices is to get close to the eternal one. That sense of closeness is way more instructive than the English word sacrifice in our English or our understanding of offerings to God. Sometimes we think of the biblical sacrifices as symbols of the people giving something up as a sign of fealty to God. But more than giving something up, the purpose of the sacrifice is for the people to do something in order to feel close to a being that is not physical at all. If it was hard for the Israelites to believe in an invisible God, it is all the more so difficult for us in the modern world. And yet here we are, taking an hour out of our weeks to see what happens, to see if there is some kind of intimacy we can tap into, some kind of interconnectedness with the divine, maybe, or with other human beings, beginning with a call to do so. Each of us, every single day, is called to interact with the world anew to see the interconnectedness of all human beings on, the, on this planet and the systems in place that bind us to one another. Perhaps, like the Israelites, we too can access this God through moments of intimacy, of closeness. 
maybe closeness isn't just looking at someone in a room near you, but looking in their eyes and really seeing them. Maybe intimacy isn't just hearing the words coming out of a person's mouth, but really listening to what they are saying. And we get a kind of practice for this when we come together to pray, to knock ourselves out of the familiar ways of interacting with ourselves and with others. To pray as a Jew generally requires being physically close to other people praying. During the deep pandemic years, we realized just how important that is. But intimacy in all its various forms is what leads meaning to our lives. And this, I think, is the call to each of us right now. When it would be so easy to neurose about the chaos of living, our jobs, our commitments, the morass of the world around us, as, as if they were merely things that are happening to us, Vaikar, perhaps instead we can see the plot lines of our lives through the lens of Vaikra, an invitation or call. A call specifically to probe deeper, to take an hour out of our schedules to see a role for ourselves and to find some meaning. So why do we pray? Maybe it is to center ourselves, or perhaps it's still to fulfill a Jewish obligation. But maybe it's also to shake us into recognizing our need for intimacy, to get close to others, maybe even uncomfortably close and vulnerable, to recognize that there is an interconnectedness in the world in which each of us plays a unique role. And maybe somewhere in that intimacy, we might find a connection to the divine. Shabbat Shalom.